Coming to you from the M&M Exterior Studio in Nooksville, Virginia, this is Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle, the introvert's extrovert. She talks to people so you don't have to. For now. Well, Don, thank you so much for being here today. Mm, thank you, Samantha. I'm so glad to be here. Dawn is a, an empowerment coach. She is someone who I think speaks so well to the mama bears and the papa bears, some terms she often uses. So <laughs> Dawn, why don't you introduce yourself? Well, I, Samantha, I am uh, really an empowerment coach for mamas and papas, but mostly mamas because I'm a mama to five amazing young adults and they continue to teach me about life every single day, and they are amazing humans. And I find myself in this strange place of missing them and living mostly an empty nest and just experiencing life with these young adults that we've raised. And I am passionate around mamas in particular coming to to find the missing parts and pieces of themselves that somehow along the way um, got either lost or covered up or hidden, or perhaps they were just really there all along, but that mama or papa didn't really have time to think about it. And I'm passionate about parents coming off the hamster wheel and not living their lives just focused around parenting and career and go, 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 and waking up one day to think, well, really, who am I? Mm -hmm. And now what? And so I know there's a way to keep those, keep all of us as we parent and as we uh, have a career and hold a career there's a way to really keep discovering all of ourselves. And that's what coaching is all about, right? Is um, discovering what it is we really want and what our purpose really is and living very purposefully with our lives so that we are not just in a shuffle, an mm-hmm. endless shuffle. I appreciate your perspective so much because as you said, you're a mom to five grown children and I have said this to you offline and I'll say it to you online on the podcast that I think your voice is a voice that needs to be heard, your perspective, because they're so, you know, mommy blogs blew up, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. There's lots of um, mom social media accounts, but I feel like it's kind of the in the weeds parenting And that's kind of where I am too, you know, my kids now are eight and 10 and I feel like having a voice of wisdom of someone who's been through it. And most importantly, not someone who says it was all perfect and lovely. And here's my guide to do it. It's saying I'm constantly learning. And when you said my kids are constantly teaching me, I mean, to me, that's just such an open heart and open mind philosophy and to have someone help guide you through, give you advice, give you insight, help walk beside you as you're, you know, figuring this stuff out. I just think you have a really valuable insight. So I appreciate you. Yes. It's, it's amazing to look back and think of how many decisions that I made related to uh, 
my mama self mm. and was kind of almost guided and driven by that mama self. You know, I was, I was maintaining a career. I did a lot of traveling at the time I was speaking and, and writing. And I think what happened is I still, the decisions I made were based on what my kids needed and what our family needed. And that was the driving factor. And that sounds all well and good. And it sounds normal, right? Whatever normal is, right? Just a setting on our dryer, as that book says. But uh, I think that I've come to realize that having that be your guiding decision maker, uh, living your life with what your kids need. Well, what if you what if you don't really, what if you think you know what they need at the time? And yet as they get older, you come to see a different perspective. You're out of the weeds, as you say, and you're kind of high level view looking, looking back, looking down, and you realize maybe they didn't need me to be as uh, strict or as um, focused around this particular area as I thought they did. Maybe I was creating a container um, of safety almost for them. And coaching is all about a safe container, right? Mm. But maybe I was creating this safe container and maybe they were trying to show me that um, there really doesn't always need to be this container what is safety? Yeah. Is the safe container kind of like that idea of sheltering yes. kids? Yeah, it really is. So for example, you know, right now that um, you've heard me many times, I love to use um, kind of crass, vulgar language these days. Um, badass is my favorite word, really one of my favorite all time words. And um, when I was raising our kids, you know, I was just so adamant and strict about all of the words that we would allow or not allow in our house. Um, just, it sounds so funny now to hear myself say this, but stupid and dumb weren't even allowed, right? It was just that strict. And there was this container of, words that were good for the family and words that were not. And now I'm starting to understand looking at it from this place as a 60 year old mama. Um, and our oldest is 35. Our youngest is 26. And just realizing what in the hell was I thinking? And there's a bad word. See, that slipped out. Uh, well, you say bad word, but that even who says that's bad? Why is that bad? <laughs> That's like a whole other conversation, but it actually feels wonderful to say it. So, mm -hmm. you know, but what, what was I thinking? Mm -hmm. What, why was that so critical? And it's funny because I've had conversations with a couple of our kids around this and they don't necessarily mind that, you know, they weren't allowed to say those things back then. They kind of laugh about it and they even say, oh yeah, I get it. Like, I get that you have to kind of do that with your kids, but what's funny is now they, they love it that 
we all just use whatever words come out of our mouths in the house. Um, you know, there's no need to censor. Like it's that, I think it's that freedom though. It's not that that's why when I was listening to you, I'm like, it's, it's not the lack of rules. Like what I hear you saying is not, Oh, we shouldn't have had rules. Like, of course you need rules. And I think teaching kids about, you know, when to use words and when to use their feelings. But if a certain word evokes that feeling that they're trying to, I feel like it's kind of, instead of making it just a, a, a rule for just the sake of a rule, you know, and having it be more intentional with how you're parenting your kids, which you're very an intentional person. And that's, so that's what I hear when I listen, because you and I have talked about the cursing thing many times, because, you know, I feel like, <laughs> of course, I don't let my kids curse. Like, I don't want them to curse, but there's certain, I'm like you, there's certain words that just really pack the punch that I'm looking for. And actually just last night, I told my daughter that she was, and I was like, can I say the word that I want to say that I think you are? And I think some listeners might think I'm going down a bad word road, but I said, you are a badass. And I just want you to know what a badass you are. And I could tell there was that twinkle in her eye, like, whoa, that's a real, love it. real deal. But you know, we try to, you don't use the, you know, it's kind of the whole, when people say, oh, there's more words to your vocabulary. Like, of course, yes, those use those words, but some just pack the punch. And then it goes back to even that, like I said, you creating that freedom with your kids. And that's what I love and why I think your perspective is so important now is because I'm raising, I'm in that part where it's like, I want to raise my kids. I want to be the mom, you know, not the friend. I want to be the mom and all this stuff. But of course, my goal is that one day we can have a friendship, you know, beyond just a mother-daughter relationship. And so that's why I think with you kind of navigating through all that, it's so so much wisdom to kind of help us get to that intentional place versus just living our life with rules for the sake of rules. And it's all about authenticity, right? Mm -hmm. Because without that, I mean, that for me right now, authenticity is my guiding value. I call it my North star. So I've placed my values around a compass, right? And it starts with authenticity and authenticity drives everything I do, all of my, anything I choose, the way I live my days, it needs to be with an authentic, real sense of who I am and no bullshit. And our kids too, you know, they, I see them now too, realizing that they themselves have to be authentic with me and want to be authentic with me. And that's about the biggest compliment that they can give me is to be real and to be honest. And if they can't shoot it straight with me and be real, then what do we have at the end of the day? If our relationship is based on anything less than that. And, uh, you know, I love it that, Now to look back and think those times when I made it about the rules or about the container that I thought needed to be there, I look at it now and I think, even back then, didn't I really want them to be authentic, genuine humans? Didn't I want them to be honest with who they were and not try to follow any sort of... Uh, rules or 
or mores that were imposed on them, but instead to begin to develop their own and to understand, you know, what, what are their guiding values? What's their purpose? And to do it with authenticity is everything. I just, I think that um, when you said you, it's the highest compliment to have your kids be authentic around you. I'm curious if that authenticity with them was always there or as you started to be more of your authentic self, did you start to see that in them more? Oh, wow. That's, that's almost hard to really answer because hopefully I lived my life from a fairly authentic place mm-hmm. all along. I don't think authentic, authenticity is a new value to me, mm-hmm. but is it something that in raising my kids, again, did that kind of cloud it a bit and make it too much about making sure they were okay and mm-hmm. whatever that would look like and how I defined safety for them. And we grew up in church world, right? My husband is still a pastor and uh, that really, really can mess with everything because, you know, you're sort of living this life that's supposed to be one way or another and um, supposed to be doing the right things. And I never want our children and hopefully never did to just do the right thing as, as someone else to find that, Mm. you know, and if we really believe that people are naturally creative, resourceful and whole, you and I've talked about that. If we really believe that, and that's what coaching the kind of coaching model I'm trained in is coactive. And boy, that is one of the four cornerstones, right? People are naturally creative, resourceful, and whole. Whoa. I think I've lived my whole life somewhere underneath believing that. And I think it was in me, but it got messed up with this concept of that the church I was raised in and these churches and church world, you know, they focus sometimes so much on we're sinners and the world is so broken. And so thinking of people as naturally creative, resourceful and whole, I mean, that's just like, wow, liberating, hugely liberating. It's funny when you said that, because I thought, And to catch listeners up, as you said, we've talked about that. And so I, um, I remember calling you specifically for some advice and it, of course, with me, I am that people pleaser, high achiever, and probably a fixer. And so if I have someone, a friend, especially, you know, going through a problem, I want to fix it. I want to know what I need to do. And, you know, you always hear like, pray about it, but it's like, yeah, 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 that's great. But I need to do something. And I remember calling you and you told me that, that, you know, every person has that. And it's like, I knew that too. When you said you believed that I feel like, well, yeah, I know that, but I have to help them figure that out. Like, So I'm going to believe in them and I'm going to not tell them what to do. And it just hearing that it was this for me as like both the confidence that I have all those things too, but to not take the pressure that it's my job to fix people. And it's kind of the savior complex too, you know, where I think there's that need to fix others. And because as you said, we're broken and there's kind of a difference between being broken because we're human 
but also just being broken that needs to be fixed by us. We can't fix other people. Right. And what does broken really even mean? Mm-hmm. To, so to understand that, yes, people can begin to make really, really choices that are very harmful, right? And destructive. And we see that in the world around us all the time. But to understand that fundamentally, uh, I believe people are made in the image of creator God. The divine image is in all of us. And I really believe every human being has that. And so if parents understand this too, and that's why coaching parents is so amazing because as parents, sometimes we want to fix things for our kids. We want to do it for them. We want to make sure that uh, they don't encounter too many bumps and bruises. But if we trust that they're naturally creative, resourceful, and whole, that they're that they have that divine image of God in them. And we start from there, then sometimes we're better off as parents just shutting up, really. Just, yeah, sitting back and saying, wait, hands off. I'm going to trust that you're going to figure this out and that you've got it in you. And with my clients too, I mean, one of the, One of the big things about coaching is that you never, ever solve someone's problem. It's coaching is not problem solving. And a lot of my clients, actually, when we start coaching, they kind of, some of them have that view or that perspective as, oh, I need your advice, Dawn. Uh, I need your guidance. I need your wisdom. And so gently we begin through the coaching to let them understand that, no, see, you have the wisdom. You you have it in you. You already have the solutions in you. You have your goals, your vision. It's there. It just may have gotten lost or muddied or covered up, or there may be things in the way. And so I'm not here to give you advice or solve your problems. I'm just here to facilitate you finding it. And we just call it forth together. That's what coaching is. It's beautiful. I think, um, you know, being that you, we are here together today and I get to pick your brain and, you know, with what you shared, I'd love to hear some insight into let's, let's dive into that parenting a little bit and talking to those mama bears out there and Mm. maybe some papa bears too. You know, I think, with parenting, you know, as I've said, my kids are eight and 10. So I feel like I'm right at that little sweet spot where we're over the, the toddler (laughs) stuff. And we're just right before we get into too much of the teenage angst. Um, But I have friends that run the gambit, you know, of all, all different ages. And so looking ahead to those teenage years, um, and I'm already starting to experience that. Of course, when your kids don't act perfect, it's easy to think it's a reflection of you. So therefore, I'm just calling myself yeah. out and other, it's like, why do we want our kids to act right? Is it to just show what a great parent I am, or mm-hmm. is it to bring forth the best possible person they are? And so as teenagers start pushing the boundaries and having maybe different thoughts and opinions as you, what are some ways that both you walked through it and maybe now 
whether you see those things that worked or some different perspective shifts of, you know, kind of some nuggets that people can plant to help walk through those seasons. Yeah. Listening is the, is the biggest thing ever listening. And that's always been something. It's always been a gift of mine um, to be a good listener, but with my kids, it was trying to listen in the same way that I would listen to others so easily. And it was much harder with our kids because with our kids, like you said, we're so wrapped up in and invested in them turning out right, whatever in the hell that is too. Mm -hmm. And we're so invested in making sure that we do it right. And if we let go, if we just say, I don't need to worry about what right is because each child is different. And a lot of times, you know, you and I have talked about this too. Kids teach us all the time. If we let them, kids are profound. I have a view of children that says children are just absolutely amazing teachers and they get life, especially at a young age. So instead of thinking of them as so egocentric, so we think of little kids and we constantly have this mindset that says, you know, developmentally, they're all, they're just pure ego. Well, what if we just kind of throw out that word for a moment and say, well, what if a child just from birth, what if a child is just all about getting needs met, being dependent, taking what they need and what they want, being in the moment, being fully present, they're just totally fully present. They can't be anywhere else. And then as they get older, they end up putting layers on like we all do Mm -hmm. to please other people, to fit in, to belong. And that's when they start being shaped by things that really aren't important anymore. And they become people pleasers. And I am the queen of people pleasing. I'm a recovering people pleaser and definitely try to live every day again with authenticity saying what anyone else thinks does not matter. And so helping kids to keep the purest of themselves that person that lives in the present, that deals with the here and now, that person that just wants their needs met in the here and now and takes what they need. And ultimately, they give love freely to them, right? Mm-hmm. Out of that place. If their needs are being met and they're secure, they give love beautifully, just as they are. So why don't we, when they hit those teenagers, I would say listening and detachment, a healthy detachment from the outcomes. Ooh, tell So two things. I want to talk a little bit more about that healthy detachment because listening for sure on listening. And it's funny when you were talking about the kids, I thought, man, that's such 
a great description. And we tell this to mom, mama bears all the time. You can't pour from an empty cup. And kids have shown that if they're hungry, tired, their needs are not being met. Exactly. And it's like, it always takes me forever when like my son is being really cranky. I can't think of another word. Oh, finally, it's like, oh, has he eaten today? No, he hasn't. Cause he's old enough where he gets his own food. Yeah. But if I don't check on it, you know, it easily and still, and then suddenly he eats and he's able to pour out again. And so anyway, I just thought, wow, that's like exactly so simple, but yes, with the healthy detachment, that is, Mm. I feel like, you know, I've, I've heard these parenting analogies where it's when your kids are little, you're like in front of them, you know, kind of protecting and guiding. Um, But then eventually you get beside them as they kind of get those tween years, you're kind of walking through it. And then the teenage years is you're behind them and they're, that's their chance to start living life, you know, without you right there. So it sounds good in theory, but I think that's what's so hard, you know, when you start walking through that healthy detachment. So what does healthy detachment look like? Yeah, I think the one thing it means is just making sure you're detached from some sort of an expected outcome. Uh, You really don't start from a place where you have in mind exactly what this child needs to look like, behave like, all of it. And you just detach from that. And you say, this is a real human here. This is a a real life human being. And they have to figure out who they are and really who they're made to be. And they have to figure out being true to themselves. They have to figure out being authentic. And if we're attached to what it is they should do, should be, you know, in, in coaching world, the last thing I want for my clients is to have any sense of shoulds. We all live our lives sometimes so dictated by the shoulds. And if we can detach from should and just let go of that word, like, well, why do something because you should, who told you you should do that? So it's the same with parenting, right? If we can just detach for a minute. So with our kids, when they were teenagers, some of my favorite times happened. My favorite memories with each of them come from those moments where somehow I was detached from any kind of an expectation. And I always said the times where I really wanted them to talk to me, they didn't want to. If I was looking for it and I really wanted this magical connection with them or wanted to find out their scoop, their info, they just, they were having none of it or they just weren't in a place for that. But if I could just be with them, be present with them, like you said, side by side or even behind them and just let it unfold and not be attached to any of it the things that would come out sometimes unexpectedly, it was magic, you know, lying in a bed with them at night, even, even as a teenager, the rare time where we were curled up on the bed to having a conversation. And I didn't even see that conversation coming. And I was blindsided by 
how they just started spewing words about something. And I didn't even know what, what had unleashed it in them. And I sort of held my breath like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, whoa. And, but they were trusting me with some vulnerable part of themselves or with some of their stories or their friendships or what their feelings were. And somehow something in that moment felt safe to them and felt like a safe space. But again, I had to keep this level of detachment, this sense of just because I'm having this magical moment doesn't mean I can pry too much. Doesn't mean that I I need to ask for more of the scoop. And that being said, you know, coaches are big on curiosity, right? Mm-hmm. Wild curiosity, I call it with coaching, where and I want my clients to hold hold their own self with wild curiosity, just be wildly curious about what's coming up. And, um, but with our kids, yes, we should be curious. But again, it's that curiosity with detachment. It's this sense of, I'm curious about you. I'm so curious, but I'm not attached to what I think you need to say right now or what I think you need to be and always being ready for that. Mm. Um, listening to you, I thought of um, something that happened when we were in Arizona and my brother has dogs. He has um, three of his own and he has a foster dog. And of course, it's always fun to uh, compare parenting oh, wow. to dogs. And then we brought our two. So we had lots of dogs there. <laughs> and um, he has the foster dog who's very afraid of people. And so he's lived with my, or she's lived with my brother for eight or nine months. And my brother's pet her maybe three times. So she's very standoffish, but actually all the dogs made it better. And she was um, coming around a lot more. She was still standoffish. Wouldn't she eventually my mom fed her treats all month. She started eating, um, but we couldn't do too much more. You know, you definitely couldn't reach out and pet her. If you move, she would run away. And so this is all, we were there for a month. And so the last day we were there, she let my mom pet her. And then she let my dad and ended up letting my son and me, which was, it was a crazy, crazy thing. But the reason I'm telling the story, and because when you were talking about parenting, I just had this aha moment, which is you said, when they're talking to you, be curious, but temper it kind of don't push too much. And when my mom was petting the dog, Coco, my brother said, cause she, that my mom had actually pet her throughout the month, a few other times. But the dog would always run away. And my brother, as the as she was petting the dog, said, I should have told you this earlier, but if you're petting her, you should actually stop before she gets startled because then she ends it on a good note. And so that's actually what my mom did. My mom was petting her and then she she stopped and you know, just kind of sat there. And the dog, for the first time, you know, ever went leaned, leaned further into my mom. Uh-huh. And wanted to be petted more. And then that's when she let eventually my dad, son, and me. And so we had this whole talk on the way home that, oh, if she gets to the point of where she's hurt, uh, like scared, it triggers her. Yeah. Then she runs away. But if you provide that place where you you end it, like where they're still in a good place. So that's like the do- dog analogy. But I'm thinking of these with parenting. And it's like, when they open up to us, if we jump down their throat and, you know, oh, this is an opportunity. I need to, 
explain to them what they should have done or what they could do next time or share all my opinions with them because finally they're opening up to me. I need to get the scoop. It's like that spooks them, you know, and they close. But if it's that like, oh, you're sharing with me. Great. I'll just take what you give me. Be a nice open space. You know, it creates that call safer. You talk about safer environment, you know, and there's no expectations like with the dog, like you're going to, you're going to be a dog that I get to pet and love on. Cause that makes it about us versus what they need. So this whole detachment, like, Oh, you don't, I don't need to constantly be fixing you or working on you, or you're not my little project. You're actually a person, a real individual. Oh, absolutely. And you're beautiful. I mean, if we view our kids, if we can view our kids as beautiful, which again, right, detachment, if you're having trouble viewing your kids as beautiful, if they're driving you crazy, if they're, uh, you know, driving you up a wall and you're just about ready to scream and you're not seeing the beautiful in them, it just probably is telling you that you need to refill yourself. You need self-care. You need to detach and figure out what you need because Mm -hmm. apparently you've had too much of them, right? And especially in the pandemic, who hasn't had too much of someone, right? Mm -hmm. Because we're all in the same space all the time. So it's figuring out, well, what do I need? So this is really, it's again, and it's modeling for them. Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm not really... I shouldn't be around you right now too much. I've got to figure this out or I've got to, even if I am, if I have to be around you, what am I going to do to kind of take a moment then in the moment to fill myself up or bring myself some joy because I'm not liking you so much and we don't always like them in the moment, right? And we get sick of them. And sometimes they're being little shits, right? And they really are. And do we really want um, to be around them? No, not all the time. So yeah, it's this, it is a detachment. It's a sense. And that's what love is all about, right? It's love with this healthy, healthy detachment that says, Mm. I just love you. And I trust that we have everything we need. And I trust you have everything you need. And I trust that you're beautiful. And I don't, I don't want to make this about me. I'm, I'm just detached from that right now. And I'm able to be at peace. That's why, you know, again, I, I see so many people on the hamster wheel. Mm-hmm. They really are. They're living their lives just going full tilt. I literally will have clients or or different people that I bump into or friends even that will say things about, you know, well, I'm just, there's just no time. Like I'm just going, going, going. I've got this, I've got that, I've got this, I've got that. And my heart kind of aches for them. And I think, oh, maybe just jump off that wheel. This, just let yourself fly off of it and take some space. I'm huge on retreats, by the mm, way. I don't think too. we've ever talked about that, but I'm just huge on solitude retreats. Mm. I am all about, um, 
I, I mean, I haven't done the solitude like totally by myself, but Ooh. I'm open to it. Um, but yes, I'm all, I'm very big on that getting away. Cause just kind of needing that space and whatnot, but it's funny. You talked about, um, so I'd love to hear more about that, but you also talked about with the kids. I was thinking how so often, whether it's parenting with kids or any sort of relationship, I've talked a lot about, you know, thank you for the opportunity when stuff comes up that kind of rattles us. It's that opportunity to really what's going on inside of us. And I feel like what a lot of my um, coaching friends and mentors and whatnot have kind of helped is I love, and I've talked about this a lot with my pastor is it's the whole, what is this relationship triggering in me? You know, so what's that stuff I have to work out. And I think it's, it's even more so true with our kids. And I know for me, when you said, you know, like kids can be little shits, it's like, I can be a little shit too. And I've seen like how my behavior impacts theirs, you know, and it's like, oh, it's just such a cycle, which is why I totally agree with you of like, we need to step back, separate, fill our cup, figure out what's going on with us. Cause it's like, it goes back to that before we try to solve them. I see so often online parents asking questions about their kids. And I always have to like, I'll just, I would rather refer you um, to give some advice because as I read it, I think it's just because I'm trained through all of these amazing people is it's like, oh, oh, that's something you need to work on. (laughs) Like that's your own. And that's good. And that's just also because the journey I've been on, you know, kind of like, oh, I'm kind of worried about this behavior or this kind of thing. And it's like time and time again, it was like, that's just something that you struggle with. And the more you model and work on your own stuff with anxiety and things like that, that helps your kids so much more than trying to fix and change them. When you work on you, that naturally gets passed on to them. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I know so many parents of special needs kids Mm. And um, a lot of them really get a lot of this stuff anyway, because they, they have to be in the moment with their kids. Sometimes they even have to be detached from any expectations of outcomes, but yet they're mama bear advocates beyond belief. They advocate for that child and they are just relentlessly advocating. And I think when I coach a parent of a special needs child, my whole perspective is, yes, yes, I love your advocacy for your child, but what does advocacy for yourself look like? What does it look like to be a mama bear for yourself or a papa bear? And I think that's where I'm just scratching the surface of that at age 60, I think I'm realizing that I probably was not nearly as much a mama bear for myself as I should have been back in the day, that um, being that mama bear for my own self is critical because how do you be a mama bear for anyone else if you're not even doing that for yourself? And I'm really only beginning to understand that. I think that's where that foundation comes in, you know, and I'm learning that too. And it's funny because I had this realization over this past year too, that for other people, you know, great, great, great. But it's kind of, it's always yourself that seems to take the back seat. But, and, you know, we keep repeating these same things generation to generation. 
And I don't understand why it's taking so long for myself and not just, it's like, wait, we have to fix us before we can fix others. If we just keep focusing on the next generation, the next, you know, if we keep focusing on our kids and not focus on us, all we keep doing is repeating the same stuff. Yeah. And again, you know, we talked earlier about listening and it's that, it's that listening, that deep listening to what we need, what we ourselves need and to what others need, but listening for what they're saying and not saying and what's in the environment around us. Listening is an amazing, it's an amazing tool. And I think one of the things that makes, makes me always sit back and just, I'm a little startled by it is the amount of people who never get quiet enough to listen to themselves. They, they're almost afraid of it. I have a lot of people who will say to me, oh, well, I don't, I don't want to be alone. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't like being alone. And when I am alone, I fill the, mm-hmm. I fill up with noise and I turn on the TV and I do this and I do that. And I, I don't like being alone. That's mm-hmm. not a comfortable place. I don't want to do too much thinking. And I just think to myself, oh, but you'd be amazed. If you just really turn off all the noise and you just listen in the silence, you'll be amazed what you discover. And you'll be amazed at how beautiful it actually is. Mm -hmm. If you can just get past that fear, right? Fear is so debilitating. Mm -hmm. That's where the pandemic, you know, I know for me, being a go-go person, I thought I would struggle a lot more, you know, when things shut down. But I think because I was at that place where I was really leaning into myself and just kind of working through stuff, I was able to see the benefit of having that space and time and quiet. And with, it's funny because to kind of wrap it up, I was thinking as you were saying that, how, you know, you and I, and I don't know if you do this all the time because I've started doing it, but asking each other, you know, how are you showing up right now? And I just love that question because I've talked on episodes before about connecting with people. And one thing that I do, and I think you do it too, is that when we see a crack in someone, you know, just something isn't right. I think we both kind of gently lean into it a little. And I think so often when we're so go, 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 and everything's so loud, just people ignore those cracks, you know, no time, no time physically and no emotional reserve to be able to lean into those cracks. But that's so much what we need as connection with people and friendship. And so I just love, you know, that idea of asking not only our friends, but our kids, how are you showing up right now? Because if we're always expecting them, you know, it's like when you sit down at the dinner table, it's like, oh, this is how we act at the dinner table. Well, they might not be showing up in their best dinner behavior. So um, that's just something that I wanted to share with listeners. If they're not privy to working with you yet, that you're just are great at checking in with everyone's space that you're in. So, yeah, I think coaches definitely, that's what we're all about is the check-in first, right? You can't really move forward until you've checked in and acknowledged where you are at present. And, uh, Yeah, sometimes people don't, they show you that little crack. And then as a coach, maybe I want to lean into the crack a little bit. But again, 
It's really listening to whether or not they're ready Mm -hmm. to go and open that crack or if something else is on their mind. Mm -hmm. And it's all about letting them guide it, right? Because Mm -hmm. they're naturally creative resources. Yes. Yeah. Giving that's why I love I love that you said that because it's giving people the opportunity, like if they want to share. And that's something, I mean, this is a whole other and we're wrapping it up, but like I've talked with friends with um grief and trauma that so often they're not given the space to talk. And I think with the kids too, you know, just wrapping that back into this, I've noticed just with my own daughter, you know, sometimes she shared stuff with me and has said, you know, I'm so glad to have someone to talk to. And I think, well, I'm always here, but I'm not really always here. Sometimes I'm on my cell phone, Mm -hmm. distracted. And so just kind of giving people that space and letting them decide. I love that you reminded me of that, you know, letting them decide if they want to lean into that more. So, right. And not holding any expectations about where the conversation is going to go. Just being, again, that kind of healthy detachment from it, but just being available. Yeah. Well, Don, thank you so much. I always love, um, just, I'm always encouraged by your wisdom and your insight. And Mm. if people want to follow you more and get in touch with you, um, how can they do that? Well, my coaching is yes to life coaching. And uh, that comes because really I've said yes to life myself, especially this journey through coaching after kids are grown and just understanding that yes to life for me partly includes this beautiful coaching journey. So yes to life coaching is ytlcoaching.com. They can find me there. They can find me on social media at yes to life coaching on Facebook and Instagram too. And um, definitely, definitely they can find me um, in groups of other entrepreneurs because I am really learning and always trying to grow and figure out what an entrepreneurial life looks like. This is a brand new thing for me since 2019. So um, I'm where other entrepreneurs are, especially female entrepreneurs and always learning and growing from them. Yep. Same, same, same. Well, thank you. I look forward to getting more of your insights in the future and having Thank you, people. Samantha. This was wonderful. I just, anytime I'm with you is always a gift. Mm. Well, I'm glad we got to talk about this on the podcast, but I really enjoy our offline conversations even more because then we can really dig through that shit and get real, real, real. And maybe even drop a couple other words. Yes. That I do we enjoy might that not too. drop here. <laughs> And that's a wrap for now. Thanks for listening to Flushing It Out with Samantha Spittle. Please visit our website at flushingitout.com for all things flushing and be sure to subscribe. This has been a Spitfire production. That was the greatest thing I've ever heard.